relationship with our Father through His Son, Jesus Christ. So for the order of our service this morning, Dave's going to lead us in a few choruses, and uh, we'll spend some time singing with that. Normally we would have our full praise team here, but Jason and Laurie are still uh, both uh, sick, so let's, let's actually spend some time praying for them as well. Um, in fact, before we go any farther, why don't we do that now? Phil, do you want to lead us in prayer for Jason and Laurie? Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus. We lift up our dear brother and sister and pray that your grace would be strong in their lives. Lord, would you touch their bodies and heal them as they continue to recover? But most importantly, I pray that you would strengthen their inner man with all might by your Holy Spirit. Let them be rooted and grounded in your love today and be filled with all the fullness of God. We pray the same for our brother Steve. Lord, Steve Teach, who's also struggling with COVID. And Father, as he's isolated there by himself, we just lift him up before you and pray that you would be there, that he would know your presence is, is there around him. He could fellowship and commune with you. And Lord, we lift up others, Lord, Roy Daniel's son, who's struggling with it, and numerous others, Father, around the world who... We're still struggling with COVID, Father. We lift them up before you. We know this was no surprise to you. And you are our divine healer. So we come to you and ask you to touch us and heal us and strengthen us and be exalted in our lives through this experience. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Phil. So we'll start out with a few choruses and then Carrie is going to lead the children in some songs, and after that we'll, we'll have a few hymns and I'll give uh, you all a chance to share what uh, God has done for you, whether it's in relation to our communion service today or anything else that God has put on your mind, any kind of testimony, prayer request, I'll, I'll open that up to you at that time. That'll lead into our communion service, and following that we'll have our sermon. So, Dave, go ahead. Good morning to each and every one. Welcome to your visitors. Good to see the house pretty filled up a little bit. Um, <clears throat> usually when it gets to this time of the year when people are traveling and everything and fall's coming on and see some people traveling and vacating and stuff. And there's always a song that kind of comes to my mind. Uh, I thought I don't know it too well. But I thought about maybe singing like a verse of it. But um, but anyway, I just thought one of these days I'm going to get this thing down pat and share it with you guys. <clears throat> um, maybe I'll just do that right now. I don't know if everybody had It's an old song from, I think it's maybe from way back in the 70s. Excuses, excuses. Do you hear them every? <laughs> Uh, maybe I don't need to. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, but anyway, no, this time of the year, it always comes to my mind, and I was like, I'd love to play that song someday, but anyway. Maybe before we start, uh, let's turn into Zion's Praises. Uh, I think I've got Zion's Praises, and I've got a few uh, choruses then as well. Uh, Zion's praises turn to number 50. I sing the mighty power of God. 
I'm gonna say this is probably one of my my favorite uh, songs here in Zion's praises. It's just a very very powerful words in this song, and it's just bringing God the honor and glory for who He is, and the the Creator, and just to be able to see that in His creation. <clears throat> I sing the money power of God. I sing the mighty power of God that made the mountains rise, that spread the flowing seas abroad and built the lofty skies. I sing the wisdom that ordained the sun to rule the day. The moon shines full at his command, and all the stars bang. I sing the goodness of the Lord that filled the earth with food. He formed the creatures with his word and then pronounced them good. Lord, how thy wonders are displayed where'er I turn my eye. If I survey the ground I tread, or gaze upon the sky. There's not a plant or flower below, but makes thy glories known, and clouds arise and tempest blow. Order from thy throne, while all that borrows life from thee is ever in thy care. And everywhere that man can be, thou God art present there. I'm going to sing the chorus. Um, Thou art worthy, thou art worthy, O Lord. Thou art worthy, thou art worthy, thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory.
Somebody have a praise report. <clears throat> yes, sir. Praise the Lord. Good. Praise the Lord. stand to your feet, uh, sing the chorus, come bless the Lord, are you servants of the Lord? <clears throat> come bless the Lord, are you servants of the Lord, we stand by night in the house of the Lord, lift up your hand in the whole Bless the Lord and bless the Lord. Repeat. Come bless the Lord, all ye servants of the Lord. We stand by night in the house of the this one one advantage of being a song leader is you got all the voices coming towards you <laughs> so hopefully it's not too bad just going one by <clears throat> saying uh, I will enter his gates with thanksgiving in my heart I will enter his gates with thanksgiving in my heart I will enter his courts with praises.
Number 31. Number 31 in your Zion's praises, which would be your green uh, hymn books. <clears throat> Every day will I bless thee. You know, one thing I read across here recently is, you know, as far as a challenge for me or all of us Christians is, you know, I will be faithful as long as my, my marriage will last or I'm as faithful as long as, you know, true to God as long as my, I have my job or whatever. But when things start to fail or whatever, are we able still to bless God every day, no matter what may come our way? You know, and I just uh, thought it was just a, I think, very good, healthy reminder daily to be able to, I will bless the Lord today. I will, I'm sorry. I will extol thee, oh my God. (laughs) Tony, make me start that one for me. I'm getting off on my key right there. (laughs) Yeah. I will exalt thee, oh my God, and praise thee, oh my King, yea, every Thy praises I will sing Every day will I bless Thee Every day will I bless Thee And I will praise, will praise Thy name Forever and ever Every day will I 
playing a guitar this morning. You're going to play it loud? Okay. Who? Lukey? <laughs> um, all right. So we don't have a guitar this morning. So you're going to have to sing really, really loud. So what's the song you want to sing? And I got to do all the motions this morning because I don't have a guitar in my hands either. God's not dead? Okay, here, I got an idea. Why don't you guys come down here? You remember what Dave was saying about how good it sounds to hear everybody singing at you? Okay, down here. Come over here, boys. Come over here. If you come over here. Girls, too, you can come over. All right, right here. Okay, now we've got to face this way. I'm going to line you all up like a little program here. Right there. You see this? Tiffy right in here. No posts or flower pots for Sherry this morning. Aww. <laughs> you can just stand right here. Look real nice. There. See? Look at this. Wow. Nope. This is the stage. Do you want me to move? Oh, okay. All right, so God's not dead. So now, see, the idea is you're all looking at them, and you can see how bad they are at motions. Make sure you pay attention to faith, especially, you know. And who else? Should, oh, we got better watch Lukey, too. Okay. God's not dead, no, he is alive. God's not dead, no, he is alive. God's not dead, no, he is alive. I feel him in my hands, feel him in my feet, feel him in my heart, feel him in my soul, feel him all over me. God's not dead, no, he is alive. God's not dead, no, he is alive. God's not dead, no, he is alive. I feel him in my hands, feel him in my feet, feel him in my heart, feel him in my soul, feel him all over me. Um, do you remember doing that song, We Are Marching in the Light of God? Do you guys remember that one? Yeah. Yeah. Um, we are marching in the light of God. So you guys like to march, right? Yes, I do. Okay. So we're going to need all them to stand up, though, because they got to move around, too. Okay, everybody else? No, we're not marching around the chairs. <laughs> I'm going to need your help with this a little bit. 
We are marching in the light of God. 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 We are marching, marching, we are marching. We are marching in the light of God. We are marching, marching, we are marching. We are marching in the light of God. Oh. What was the other one? Uh, huh? What's the one where we go side to side and? Yeah, that's the one I was thinking of. Oh, that one. Hold on. Oh yeah. It's a great thing to praise the Lord. It's a great thing to praise the Lord. It's a great thing to praise the Lord. Walking in the light of God. Walk, walk, walk in the light. Walk, walk, walk in the light. Walk, walk, walk in the light. Walking in the light of God. It's a great thing to love the Lord. It's a great thing to love the Lord. It's a great thing to love the Lord. Walking in the light of God. Walk, walk, walk in the light. Walk, walk, walk in the light. Walk, walk, walk in the light. Walking in the light of God. It's a great thing to serve the Lord. It's a great thing to serve the Lord. It's a great thing to serve the Lord. Walking in the light of God. Walk, walk, walk in the light. Walk, walk, walk in the light. Walk, walk, walk in the light. Walking in the light of God. Good job, adults. You can sit down. Not the kids. Bob Caden, you had the whole stepping thing going on there. Like, it was pretty good. Oh, you guys really want to go back on the stage? Okay, who is the first missionary you can think of? Adam Judson? Caden? Caleb? What are you thinking? Oh, you, okay, you guys can go back up here where you're so comfortable. Don't forget your guitar. Hi, Lukey. You couldn't help but join, could you? You're just a child at heart. The little boy has grown up, but the little boy is still a little boy. Hold on a second. I'm going to grab my globe. You guys all love to look at this. I never knew a globe could be so exciting. All right. So what were we talking about last week? We were talking about, did we talk about Afghanistan? You remember where that was? 
You remember? Here's, okay, we learned about Brother Andrew. He was down here through Romania and all this. And then we went across to the other side. Here's the stands. Here's Tajikistan, Iran. Indiana. And there's Afghanistan. Indiana? No, that's India. India. Close, Shritha. <laughs> that's where, see India here? Does everybody know who Shritha is? Is Shritha want to raise her hand so we all know who Shritha is? See there, that's Shritha. She's from India. He stayed from around. She's right here. Uh, I think I get it right here. Um, Pune is Pune like north of you, right? Yeah. Yeah. So it's just down in here. All right. So now I got to go find this story. See, I wasn't ready yet. I hadn't. You got a Bible like this? Do you like to read it? There was, okay, so you guys never answered my question. Who was the first missionary? Okay, this thing becomes such a problem. Hold up here. Um, who was the first missionary? Do you remember? Um, i got to figure out where I'm at here. Okay. You don't remember? Who do you think? Did you, did you ever look in the back of a Bible? No. Here, I'll show you something here. If I, go to the, oh, if I go to the back of the Bible, what do I have here? Maps. Do you know who it shows most of the time on these maps or where these journeys went? Huh? Jesus? Nope. Mm, close. Apostle Paul. So if you look through these, um, these maps, it shows his missionary journeys, okay? So here it shows the first missionary journey of Paul. He started and went around. Shh, listen. Paul started here and he went up through here and back down. All right? Oh, that was his second missionary journey. So you see these li- red lines? That's where he all went, okay? So... Do you remember the story of how Paul became a Christian? No. You don't remember? Okay. I'm going to read this, and then I can show you pictures. A light and a voice. Paul rides towards Damascus with the eagerness of a hunter on the track of his prey. At the sight of the city in the distance, he urges his horse on as if every minute counts in his search to destroy Jesus' followers. Suddenly he is surrounded by light brighter than the noonday brighter than the noonday sun he falls to the ground and a voice calls to him by his Jewish name Saul Saul why are you persecuting me This is Saul he goes who are you I am Jesus of Nazareth whom you are persecuting What do you want me to do Go to the city Jesus answers and you will be told what to do the men with Paul were terrified by what was happening, what had happened. Paul, what's the matter? My eyes, I can't see. Help me into the city. So he was blinded. So blind and awed by his experience, the once proud Paul is led into Damascus down a street called Straight. Okay. And we're going to set this thing as far away as possible. 
so that it quits being a distraction. Okay. Where are you taking me, Paul asked, to the home of Judas, a friend of mine? In Damascus, Paul prays and, and waits. On the third day, he calls to his host. Has a man named Ananias asked to see me? No. What makes you expect him? I have been praying, and in a vision I have seen a man by that name coming to restore my sight. If he comes, I'll bring him and you to you at once. So Ananias comes, and Saul becomes a Christian. So he was at. So in the beginning, Saul was chasing after Christians to kill them, to imprison and kill them. He becomes a Christian, and do we remember what happens with Apostle Paul? You don't remember anything about Apostle Paul in the Bible? Did you realize that about, what is it, half, is it half of the New Testament was written by Apostle Paul? Or close to thereabouts? Did you know that? He becomes a Christian and he starts serving God. But all the missionary journeys we see, he took so many missionary trips. So he would start here, I'll go back to this globe. He would start here in Jerusalem. No, oh, I got to figure out where I'm at here. Okay. So here's where Israel was, is right here. And he would travel all over, up in here. And he finally ended up in Rome. This is way over here in Rome. He traveled all around the Mediterranean Sea here, though. But he did a lot of work up and down, around and through here. But how did he get blind? How did he get blind? By the bright light. But then Jesus restored his sight. But he was on the road, just riding down the road on his horse. And Jesus shined a really bright light on him. Or, and he was blinded by it. So then he was blind for three days. But he found God. Jesus showed himself to him in that time. All right. You can go back to your seats. For, for that lesson, you know, thinking of the Apostle Paul and, and his conversion being one that actively fought against God, fought against the Christians. God drew him. To himself, And you know, no matter where you're at today, God is willing to draw you through his son, Jesus. Jesus said, and this is very appropriate in thinking today of his suffering and, and death. He said in predicting his death, he said when... When he is raised up, when he is crucified, he said, I will draw all men unto me. You're not the exception this morning. God will draw you. His message, his plan 
is for all men. So I encourage you to think about that. Each one of us, whether, whether you have believed on Jesus this morning or not, let's consider that and rejoice in his plan as we sing some, more, some songs about his sacrifice and as we uh, partake in the Lord's Supper. And so I, I just have a few hymns here, and if anyone wants to share any kind of a testimony or has any kind of prayer requests uh, at any time in between there, please just raise your hand or just start talking. Let's see if I can find my list here. So get your red books out, the faith and praise, and turn to number 332. Lead me to Calvary. King of my life, I crown thee now, thine shall the glory be. Lest I forget thy thorn crown brow, lead me to Calvary. Lest I forget Gethsemane, lest I forget thine agony, lest I forget thy love for me. Show me the tomb where thou wast laid, tenderly mourned and wept. Angels in robes of light array, guarded thee whilst thou slept, lest I forget Gethsemane, lest I Even the cup of 
to share. I mentioned earlier, we in, in uh, communion service often we we uh, focus more on the death of Jesus and his suffering, his atonement, the sacrifice that was made. But we don't serve a dead Jesus. Amen. We serve a living Jesus. He lives. Let's turn to number 346. I serve a risen Savior, he's in the world today. I know that he is living, whatever men may say. I see his hand of mercy, I hear his voice of cheer. And just the time I need him, he's always near. He lives, he lives. Jesus lives today. He walks with me and talks with me along life's narrow way. He lives, he lives, salvation to impart. You ask me how I know he lives. He with me. 
Number 333. <coughs> when I saw the cleansing fountain, open wide for all my sin, I obeyed the Spirit's calling when he said, Give him glory, all ye 
37. Lifted up was 
take this moment and thank you for your provision. Thank you for sending a Savior. Thank you, Father, that we can live with anticipation because of that sacrifice. That we know that one day we have the promise of seeing you face to face. Whether we pass from this life or whether you turn to take us home, whether you return to take us home, that promise is ours because of the wonderful Savior we have. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. You can be seated. And I will turn it over to Phil for our communion service and uh, for a message. Can I have a handset and tie to share the word? Oh, you got one back there? I'll just... here in this place you are not far away and as you share with us in your word you are not way up there in heaven that we should say who will bring you down you're not way down in the middle of the earth somewhere saying that we can say who will raise Christ up but you are near the word is near even the word of faith to everyone who believes in their heart and confesses with their mouth that you, Lord Jesus, have died on the cross. You've paid the price, the penalty for our sin. And there's nothing more we can do, any more work of penance, any more work of trying to gain your favor. Lord Jesus, when you said it is finished, as you hung on the cross, it is finished. The salvation work is done. And even as the thief who hung on the cross looked at you and believed in you, the moment he died, he went to be with you that day. And so I pray today that as each one of us come 
to celebrate. It is finished. Lord, that you would strengthen that faith in our hearts and give us humble courage, bold humility to proclaim your word, to proclaim it to ourselves and those around us, to proclaim it to the spirit world, to proclaim it to our communities. It is finished. If you believe in your heart, confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus Christ, you will be saved. Oh Lord, I pray that today, wherever each heart is who sits here, that the work of salvation would be completed in our lives. And yes, now we get to live and walk with you. But oh Lord Jesus, it's only because you finished that work of salvation. And we can sing about it. We can talk about it. We can live in the reality of it every day. And so we come to proclaim as we take this little bit of grape juice and this little tiny wafer to proclaim that you have done it. You have rendered the devil powerless and you've come to redeem all those who will believe in you. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so as a, a church here, we leave it open for each one of you to celebrate this time with Jesus Christ as your own faith is in your heart, as you have a clear conscience with Jesus Christ, you're welcome to participate. And the way we do it here is we simply open these little doors back here and we just give you the opportunity, each one, to just get up and go over and take a little... We, we changed it a bit up last year because of covid we used to have a piece of bread that we broke off and, and a larger piece of grape juice. Now we just have these little, these little cartons of small grape juice and there's a little wafer inside of it. So if you open the tab in the top, you'll see a little wafer. And then if you open the second tab, it'll open up to the carton of, of grape juice. And what we do is we... enough. But I wonder if he is for you. And as I was pondering that truth, is Jesus enough for me? The Lord asked me this. Who are you looking at as you walk through life? You see, so often, it's like Jesus, we accept his gift of salvation and we rejoice in it. And we, we listen to him talking to us, but we get distracted. We have one big problem in our life. We get distracted. How many of you are guilty with that? Yeah? What are we going to do about that? Because I, I don't know about you, but that's a big problem for me. Distraction is a big problem. And... As I experience this truth 
Again, in a fresh way, this week, the Lord spoke to me this way. These words in 2 Corinthians chapter 11. And these words are really important because we'll notice that distraction has an eternal effect on our lives and on Christ's life in us. Distraction is effective, very effective. First, Second Corinthians chapter 11, verse 1. I wish that you would bear with me in a little foolishness. You can bear with me today. This is Paul speaking to them, but you know he also says preaching is foolishness. To some people, preaching is absolutely the most foolish thing you can do. If you don't believe in the power of preaching, it's foolishness to you. And I'm one of the biggest fools in the world this morning. Totally wasting your time. Forget it. Take out your phone. Put your earbuds in. Watch a good movie. Look at social media. Do something worthwhile. Because I am totally wasting your time right now. Unless. Unless you believe that what I'm doing right now is the most powerful thing on the planet a guy could do. Preaching the word of Christ is the power of salvation to those who believe. And how shall they hear without a preacher? That's Romans 10. Saying that if you in your heart believe that Jesus Christ is Lord. And you confess it with your mouth. You will be saved. And how will you believe without a preacher? 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Paul says to the Corinthians who were these highly educated philosophers. Full of philosophy and, and taking the latest and greatest things on the earth. In their day and discussing it among themselves. Paul says to them. Preaching the gospel of Christ is foolishness to them. Unless you believe. And that faith in your heart takes the most boring preacher like me. And makes it the power of Christ in you. It's true. If you believe. But if you're distracted. This is what's going to happen to you right now. For I am jealous for you, verse 2, with a godly jealousy. For I betrothed you to one husband, that to Christ I might present you as a pure virgin. But I am afraid, lest as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness. What happened to Eve? What happened to Eve when Satan deceived her? Anyone want to tell me? Hmm? Distraction. What was she distracted with? She was going through her day. She was a pure virgin to God, her creator, and to her husband. Perfect. Flawless. God's creation. And Satan comes along. Hey, you there. As you're walking through the garden of your life. 
today. What did Satan begin with her? Anyone want to tell me? Well? Exactly. Yeah, has God said? Really? That, that sermon you heard last Sunday, Jesus is enough. Oh, really? Don't you want more than that? You actually need more than that. Jesus is, he said he's enough. He said he's everything. And the verse that he used was in Ephesians, but also in Romans chapter 7, the last verse. For in him are all things and through him and for from him, through him and in him are all things. Everything, your life consists in him. You breathe because he created you to do so. You get to see today with your spiritual eyes of your heart because he opened them. Otherwise, you're dead as you sit here breathing physically. You're dead towards God. This is foolishness and a waste of your time. Means nothing to you. This book is just a law of do's and don'ts that condemns you or justifies you because now you do it and somehow you think that earns you brownie points with God to read the Bible every morning. But there's no relationship to the person who is speaking to you. Why? Because you're looking at what Eve looked at. He shows her a tree. Hey, let me show you this tree. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Interesting. He didn't take her to the tree of life, did he? No. The tree of life, they could eat as much as they wanted. It was in the middle of the garden. But he pointed her out to the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and said, Has God said you shouldn't eat of every tree? What's the matter with that tree? I'll tell you what's the matter with it. God is hiding something from you. God wants to torment you just a little bit in your life. God is holding things back from you to make life miserable for you. God isn't really out for your interest. No, he doesn't love you that much. God is holding things back from you. Because he's God and he knows if you eat of that tree, you'll become like him. You'll become gods, little gods on the earth who know what good is and what evil is. And you have then the right and the authority to choose. And you'll become your own God. You won't need God anymore or his tree of life. You can easily do without him now. You'll become your own God. You are enough. That's it. You're enough for yourself. You've made it well in life. You know how to make money. You have intellect. In fact, you're a genius. Look at what you've done with your life. Look at how well you've done. Look at all the things you do to please God. Or look at the things, you know, well, of course, we all make mistakes. But hey, you know, hopefully my good will outweigh that. And I'll be good enough when I die. I control my own destiny. I am in control of my life. I am my own God. 
the knowledge of the tree of good and evil. It's exactly where the devil took her. And that's what he presented her with, offered her with. You'll be your own God. Like God himself. Wouldn't you want that life? Come on. Come on. I know you would. You're in bondage to Jesus. This whole, this whole life that he gives you, that he says he's enough, he just wants to control you. That's all. That's bondage. It's, you know, blindness. It's foolishness. You go to church and sit on that pew and waste your wonderful, perfect Sunday morning on what? Do something with your life. For I am jealous for you with a godly jealousy. For I betrothed you to one husband, that to Christ I might present you as a pure virgin. But I'm afraid, lest as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, your minds should be led astray from the simplicity and purity of devotion to Christ, married to him, where he becomes enough. And he takes over your whole life. He changes the way you spend your money, and you love it. Have you ever met a woman who's on her honeymoon, comes back from her honeymoon, and all she does is complain about her, how her husband spent his, her money, they're now married, on their honeymoon? Have you ever met a woman like that? I never have. I've met a lot of young ladies who've come back from a honeymoon who were just well, you know what they were doing? They were just hanging on to their man, holding hands, smiling, doing life. We had a wonderful time on our honeymoon. Nobody cares about the money. It's all his, but I don't care. I left my dad's house and my dad's family and my life, and, but I'm thrilled. I am having the time of my life. If you were to go tell that woman, you miserable wretch, you're a slave to this man, she would look at you and say, liar, I'm not a slave, I'm free, I'm married, you poor human soul. That's what she'd think to you. She wouldn't tell you that, baby, but she would look at you and that's what she'd be thinking, you, you poor wretch, you have no idea what you're missing. You poor wretch, you have no idea what you're missing who are not in this kind of pure, simple love with Jesus. No wonder you're so miserable. Just like Eve turned miserable when she ate of that tree and became her own God. And all the most interesting first thing that happened when man sinned, you know what man began to do? The very first thing that we can read of God comes along. Your creator comes along in your life. And he says, hey, where are you? Has God ever asked you that question? Where are you in life? What are you doing here? And you... You sense God is coming. 
God is in this place. Maybe right now you sense his presence is in his word. And so you just put that Bible on the shelf and you go get distracted. You hide yourself with something, something you put on. Maybe it's you start thinking in your mind, but I'm doing all this for you, Jesus. But I'm you close yourself with your own righteousness or something to try to cover your naked, honest truth with Jesus and the guilt of your sin you know you've been distracted just like Eve you know you've become your own God in some way in your life and it's distracted you from being that pure happy bride devoted love to Christ and the Lord says where are you or as he told Elijah, when Elijah ran from Jezebel, it's like, what are you doing here, Elijah? What are you doing here in your life? You know what man does? The first thing Adam says, oh God, hey, it's that woman. That wife you gave me, she told me of this stupid tree and I ate. But she gave it to me. It's her fault. And the wife is, oh, what do you think Eve was feeling right then and there? God turns to her and she says, he says, is it true? And God turns to you and he says, is it true? Your wife or your husband. They gave you this idea that you can become your own God. Oh, you know what she does? It's the devil, God. The devil told me. The devil made me do it. He gave me the idea. Man immediately does two things. They blame each other. They blame the devil as an excuse for their own sin. And we are still doing that. Everyone who eats of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil blames somebody for their sin. Who are you blaming? For your sin today. Who are you blaming for where you are in life? If you come to Jesus Christ and you begin to look at Him and you yield again in a fresh way, get rid of those distracting, instead of looking at your wife or looking at your husband or blaming the devil, looking at Him and saying, He's my fault. It's all His fault. It's the devil who made me do it. Some even get more bold than that. And they say, hey, by the way, God, didn't you create the devil? You allowed the devil to, make, to do this in my life. It's your fault, God. Wow. Indeed, we have become our own gods. Now we're equal with God. And we wrestle and argue and blame God. But there is a wonderful truth about Job. You remember the story of Job in the Bible? And how the devil came and took away all his stuff. Stuff factors. Just stripped him of his life. Who gave the devil that allowance, by the way? Who did? God did. Did you know the whole thing was initiated by God? It begins in Job 1 that Satan came along with the sons of God into the presence of God. And God says to Satan, where did you come from? 
And Satan says, oh, I've just been walking to and fro throughout all the world, seeing what's going on. And God says, really? Well, have you noticed in your journeys my servant Job? And how he's righteous before me. It was God who initiated, who, who pointed the devil that direction. And the devil goes, oh, yeah, right. I can't touch him because you love him so much. You have, you have a hedge around him. I, I stay away from Job. I don't mess with him. Because you, you built this fortress around him. But I'll tell you what, God. Take that fortress away. I'll take his love for you away, too. He will curse you to your face. And God says, oh, really? Oh, really? Let's have a try. You can touch everything he has. Just don't touch him physically. But you can touch him and strip him and see if he'll curse me. And Satan indeed did. Took everything away. And what happened? What did Job say? God, you made the devil. You allowed him to take this from my life. Is that what he said? No. We all know the story. And if you don't, you should go back and read it. It says not Job in all of this did not charge God, blame God foolishly for anything in his life. But he simply said, the Lord gave it to me. The Lord can take it away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. He was undistracted, purely devoted in his love for God. And all these things were only God's blessings. They didn't take God away from him. And so Satan tries again. Let's touch his body. Now he'll curse you. And we know the story. It didn't distract Job, did it? And through it all, he did not blame God. Job had found the secret, dear friend. Job had found the secret from being delivered from the curse of Adam and the sin of Eve. That when they sinned, they blamed others and then they blamed the devil and ultimately blamed God. Job was not his own God. He was God's. And today, as we celebrate Jesus Christ and the work that he does for you and I, the Holy Spirit is jealous over you and me. Because Satan is still walking through every one of our days and doing the even Job thing in our life. He has the right to do that. God allows him to test, to try, to persecute his children. God has given him that space and time, that allowance. And he will. Jesus promised along with all the blessings that come into my, your relationship with me, persecutions will come. The devil's enraged against it. And he will come against us with the same tactics that he used against Eve and the tactic he used against Job and every other tactic that God has allowed him to have. But greater is he that is within you 
and he that is within the world. And you and I can either be a Job or an Eve. We can blame, we can be like Adam and Eve and blame each other and blame the devil and even blame God. That is going to be our natural response. Maybe we'll never say the words, but we think them and they change our attitude. Our attitude becomes one like that. Resentful to God. I don't understand why he's allowing this in my life. Forms a deep-seated attitude in my heart. That's how I walk through the day. That's how I walk through this experience, whatever it is that you're experiencing in life this moment. And as soon as somebody walks a little bit close to you and, you know, kicks you, what are you doing? It's all their fault. He kicked me. You did it on purpose. I know you did. You're just trying to irritate me. Boom. That I am my own God. And God's fighting against my little realm, my kingdom, my life. Explodes. Because it becomes a fight for my kingdom, my God, my rule over my life. And a very interesting thing happens too. It can be the most unintentional thing that people do. Just something, you know, in the way. But because we've been robbed, we feel. And this is a word the Lord gave me this week. The second shortest verse in the Bible. The second shortest verse in the Bible has three words. Can someone tell me what it is? They're words that Jesus said. Rejoice evermore. Okay. Two words. There's another one. Thank you. I hadn't thought about that one. So I stand corrected. This is a word that Jesus said. Someone know the shortest one? That's two words, so Carrie said it, but there's another short one too. Jesus wept. Yeah. Where did Jesus weep? What was he doing? He was standing at the grave of Lazarus before he raised him from the dead. And Jesus knew what he was going to do. He was there for that mission. He had just told the disciples, I stayed on purpose so that the Son of Man can be glorified. But the second shortest one, you can turn your Bibles with me to it and I'll show it to you. It's found in uh, in John chapter 13. Sorry, John John chapter 11 is where Jesus wept. John chapter 11, verse 35. Luke 17 is the one I'm thinking of. In Luke chapter 17. And I'll show you this word because this is the word that the Lord was sharing in my heart today. Luke chapter 17. The story begins in verse 22. He's talking to the disciples about the end times. Our time. 
And Jesus says, it's going to be just like another time that already has been. Another time, like in the days of Noah. And then he says, and it was also the same in verse 28. It was the same as happened in the days of Lot. Same thing's going to be now. Same world atmosphere. Same things are happening. This is in Luke chapter 17, verse 28. They were eating, they were drinking, they were buying, they were selling, they were planting, they were building. But on the same day that Lot went out from Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. It will be just the same on the day that the Son of Man is revealed. On that day, let not the one who is on the housetop and whose goods are in the house go down to take them away. And likewise, let not the one who is in the field turn back. Remember Lot's wife. That's what I thought was the second second shortest verse in the Bible. Three words. Remember Lot's wife. If you go back to Genesis chapter 19, you can read the story. What happened to Lot's wife, by the way? Someone want to tell me? She turned into a pillar of salt. And why is that? Yep. Now I want to ask you something. What had she left in Sodom? What had she left there? Why do you think she looked back when the angel said, don't? Run to this small city called Zor. Get out of here. It was already daylight. I'm going to destroy this city. Go and don't look back. Why do you think she looked back? Hmm? Anyone want to guess? It must be important because Jesus said, remember Lot's wife. Well? That's right. Everything. Her whole life was there. Her children were there. Her sons were in the city. Her daughter-in-laws. She only had two unmarried daughters at home anymore. And they came out with her. But the rest of her life was there. Would you not have looked back? Are you looking back? At what God is destroying in your life. The old life must pass away. 1 Corinthians chapter 7 says, Behold, all things become new. We become a new creature in Christ Jesus. This pure, simple, devoted love to God cannot afford a look back. Because if you look back, and this is what the Lord said, Phil, sometimes you follow me like this. You follow me, and I say, come follow me, and you're looking like, okay, Jesus, okay. Ah, you dummy, why are you in my way? Right? Oh, you've never done anything like that, have you? where you were looking back and you tripped over something that was there all along. Or maybe you were walking too close to somebody and, you know, because you were looking back and you're still following Jesus and, get your foot out of my way. What are you doing in my life right now? You sat there on purpose just to trip me up. I know. Hmm? Looking back into our past 
would have turned Job into a pillar of salt and he would have cursed God that day. You and I curse God and others when we look back, when Jesus says, come follow me. But if we do what Hebrews 12 tells us, looking to Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, he gets to begin my story and he gets to finish it. And I have that faith in my heart. Only you, Jesus, get to finish my life. Not me anymore. I'm not my own God. I'm not distracted like Eve to the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and all this other stuff. And I won't blame anyone else for it. And when you strip me like Job and you take everything away from my life and you even bring hail and fire and you burn up those relationships that are my whole life turned into what? And you just say, come follow me. And if I look back, it turns me into a pillar of salt. That area in my life can just turn into a dead pillar of salt. And you know what it'll do? It'll stumble us for the rest of our lives until we quit looking back and we begin to look to Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. We follow him with that undistracted purpose of love. Devoted love. Devoted love. And he can lead us anywhere. And nothing will cause us to stumble. Because we're looking to him. And in fact, Hebrews 12 says, Then we'll lay aside every weight and every besetting sin that causes us to stumble. Anything in my life, I'll see it. And I'll just pick it up and move it away. And if you're in my way, I'll just say, excuse me, can I help you? No one can cause you to stumble. No one. Not your dad, not your mom, not the absence of your mom or your dad, not anything in your life, not your husband and not your wife, not your preacher. Even though he acts like a fool every Sunday, it becomes the power of God in your life. The word of Christ does. And you know it's encouraging that devoted love because you're not looking at the preacher. You see Jesus right now. You're not seeing Phil Lapp or hearing him. Jesus is speaking into your heart this truth from his word. And Isaiah chapter 30 happens to you. Like it happened, like Carrie read to us, happened to Saul, who then became Paul. He was sure he was on God's side. He was sure. But Jesus changed it all and said, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he says, who are you, Lord? I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting and it's hard for you to kick against the pricks. Is it hard for you in your life? Are you kicking against God's way in your life? Are you kicking against God allowing Satan to take things from you? To persecute you? Are you kicking at other people? And God is allowing in your life 
Saul that day yielded and surrendered. And he took three days of fasting and prayer and said, Jesus, who are you? To find out who he is. And it radically changed his life, right? All things became new. And the old things were passed away. And he had no more credibility in any of it. And he never looked back. Did he? Not even once. When he did, you know what he's seen? If he glanced back, you know what he's seen? Everything in his past life. Philippians chapter 3. He didn't keep that a secret. He told us what he's seen. I've counted everything as loss for the knowledge of Jesus Christ. And it's all rubbish. Manure is the word. It's the worst kind of manure you can smell in your life. That's the word he used. The worst kind. The kind you flush into the toilet. That kind. That was his past life. And he said, forgetting those things which are behind, I'm reaching forth to those things which are before, Lord Jesus. And I will continue to press into that, that life, because you're the author and you're the finisher of my faith. And I've yielded my life to that pure, devoted love. And then you'll see what Paul's seen. And when you see what Paul's seen, dear brother, sister, when we see Jesus in everything, you see Jesus taking away your money. You see Jesus taking away old relationships. You see Jesus bringing you new relationships. You see Jesus bringing you this life called today. You see Jesus, everything as coming from him to you. You're married to him now. He has control of your whole life and you're absolutely in love with him and with the life he is giving you. You see Jesus. Isaiah chapter 30. This is a word of prophecy. Therefore the Lord, the Lord longs to be gracious to you. And therefore he waits on high to have compassion on you. For the Lord is a God of justice. How blessed. That means justice means he does everything right. Perfectly just in all his ways. I love the word. In the end of David's life, this is what David had to say in 2 Samuel, I think it's chapter 22. He says this, as for God, his way is perfect. But he doesn't stop there. You see, that can be, that's one step for us to acknowledge God's way is perfect. But David continues with this faith. And he makes my way perfect. His way is perfect. And he makes my way, his way, perfect. All people in Zion, inhabitant in Jerusalem, you will weep no longer. He will surely be gracious to you at the sound of your cry. When he hears it, he will answer you. Although the Lord has given you bread of privation and water of oppression, you had it tough. He, your teacher, will no longer hide himself. He's not going to be some obscure voice that you hear inside your head. 
you'll see Jesus in that voice. You open the eyes of your heart and you'll see Jesus like Paul seen him. Did Paul see him with his literal eyes? No. But he's seen the voice who talked with him. That person. He, your teacher, will no longer hide himself, but your eyes will behold your teacher and your ears will hear a word behind you. This is the way. Walk in it. Whenever you turn to the right or turn to the left. And now look what happens. And you will defile your graven images overlaid with silver and your molten images platted with gold. You will scatter them as an impure thing and say to them, Be gone, idols! Anything in my life except what Jesus is, be gone. Isn't that what Paul did? When he seen Jesus, his old life, he said, be gone. Have you said that? Or are you looking back like Lot's wife? Oh. <laughs> and that thing is turning into a pillar of salt for you. You remain that way. Just like that. That's your permanent position. As you walk and follow Jesus. You remain looking back. And you find yourself stumbling over your own life and everything Jesus is leading you into and allows in your life becomes a stumbling block in your life. Or will you say, be gone? Then he will give you rain for the seed which you sow in the ground and bread from the yield of the ground and it will be rich and plenteous. On that day your livestock will graze in your roomy pasture. If you will... See Jesus and receive your life from his hand. He becomes everything. And you're that married virgin in love of Jesus Christ. Your life will become lustrous with his love. You can continue reading through that chapter and see what Jesus will all do for you. But even better. I'm here just to encourage you this morning to experience it. If you've been like Lot's wife, looking back, and you found yourself stumbling over your own life and everything God is allowing, and this past week you found yourself blaming everyone else in your life and being frustrated, maybe even blaming God because you feel like you're out of control. Because you have become like gods. You have plans. You have your own ambitions. You have your thing which you want to live. The life you believe. You know how it looks to please God. This is the life I'm going to live. And God is saying, Jesus is leading you into a different way that is unfamiliar to you. You've never thought about it like this. You've never seen this kind of life. Like Apostle Paul, he had it all in plan of what he was going to be the best of the best Pharisee for the rest of his life. But Jesus changed all of his plans, changed his whole life. And he said, be gone, flushed it away, and reached forth to the life that Jesus was giving him, receiving it from his hand. And then Satan can persecute you like he did Job, 
even physically and take everything away from you. And you'll still end up like Job did. Now my eye sees you. I heard of you, Lord. But because of this experience, I get to see you. And he's seeing God in a way he couldn't see him with all his stuff. Still that way. Sometimes the Lord has to take away people, relationships, things, money, our life as we know it. He takes away to give us better. But the old first has to be gone before he can take you into the new. Just like in Job's life. And what was the end of Job's life? How much better? Someone tell me. How much better? Many, many times. Seven times? I actually forgot. It was a lot of times. But let's just look real quick because we're not, we're just looking at the word. Verse 12 of Job chapter 42. And the Lord restored the fortunes of Job when he prayed for his friends, and the Lord increased all that Job had twofold. So twice as much. And then he continues to tell what he all had. But Job, the most important thing that Job got out of that experience was his relationship with Jesus. And that's what I want you to have. That's what I want for myself. That's what Jesus is standing and wanting. And he will have compassion until he gets it. He will continue to love us and draw us to himself and allow all these things in our life standing there like he said to the church at Laodicea who had lost all this. Jesus said, Behold, look everybody. He's knocking on your heart's door right now. Do you hear him? Do you hear Jesus? If you open up, you'll see him. And he won't stay outside. He's coming in. To any man who opens up, I will come in and I'm bringing my whole, my father, the whole family is moving in and we're going to have fellowship with you. And we're not planning on leaving anytime soon. God bless you. Amen. Thank you, Phil, for sharing the word with us. You know, I was I was blessed to to be here and to see how the Lord just pulled everything together in this service and and uh, the way He spoke through our remembering His uh, 
sacrifice for us and the salvation that was given to us. That's a great experience and one that we're commanded in Scripture to remember. And so often we, we like to kind of let it there. Hey, thanks God for what you did. See you next time. Are you willing to take that and then follow? Just as Jesus called his disciples to follow, they turned around, left the things behind them, and they followed. That's still the same call today. Well, there were times that they weren't sure what to do next and kind of, okay, well, what happened? And looked back a little bit. One particular time um, after Jesus died and was resurrected and after he showed himself to, to them the first time, all of a sudden the disciples are there wondering, well, okay, what's happening? Peter says, okay, well, I'm going back to my fishing. What happened? What happened before that? He didn't catch anything. His life was fruitless. It was fruitless until Jesus met him and instructed them to follow and wait for the Spirit to lead them. And you know what? When he said, wait for the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, what did they do? They waited. They didn't go back to fishing. They didn't go back to the old life. And Jesus met with them and poured out his spirit on them. And I believe that's what he wants to do for each one of our lives here today. So that will conclude our service today. Um, normally we serve a lunch after the service. We will not be doing that today. We uh, give also the fifth Sunday of the month, which happens four times a year, to uh, give time for our families or uh, whatever fellowship uh, you want to do on a Sunday afternoon rather than continuing to meet here. So uh, may God bless your time in that. For announcements, uh, this Friday evening we have a uh, family game night here at the church hosted by the Schroeder family. What time is that, Maggie? 6.30 here at church. Bring some finger foods along to share with everybody, and that is open to anybody, everybody, community, and otherwise, great time of fellowship. All right, let's be dismissed. Let's all stand for uh, a closing prayer. John, will you lead us in a prayer? Yeah, you know there's somebody not here this morning, and, and that's Steve. He usually sits back there. I don't know how many of you know, but he got COVID. And so let's remember him this week. Remember Steve, we miss him. But let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for this time we had together, Lord, to worship you and spirit and in truth. We just thank you, Lord, for your presence, Lord. And thanks for communion, Lord. Just thank you for everything you do for us. Help us, Lord, to be that true light to the world, the soul of the earth, Lord. And we also pray for Steve, Lord. We just pray that you would heal this dear brother, Lord. Help him, Lord, to be feeling well by uh, whenever, Lord, you would have him to, Lord, that you would just be by his side and help him, Lord, to recover from this disease, Lord. And we pray you would be with us this week. Bless our traveling, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.
Mary Smith.